All right, come on, 10 o'clock. You excited to be in church this morning? Everybody doing okay? Awesome. Hey, if it's your first time here, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor, and on behalf of my wife Amanda, all of our staff, all of our team, we are thrilled that you're spending some time with us this morning. Also want to say hello to anyone joining us in the online world, Facebook, YouTube, church online. We're glad that you're with us this morning. Would you all help me welcome first-time guests and your church family who's watching online this morning? We're glad you're here. Come on, y'all got to do better than that. You got to do better than that. You got to do better than that. All right. Hey, um, let me, uh, before I get into the message, I just want to have a pastoring moment with you this morning. I want to coach you up on a couple things in who we are as a church and the culture that we want to make sure that we are modeling here together, all right? And uh, did this in the first service, so I want to do it with you guys as well. Hey, if you're a guest, I don't want you to take any of this personally that I'm about to say. I'm just going to coach our church on a couple things that I think will help us be healthier and uh, create better environments for people who are coming to church for the first time and need to meet Jesus. Um, Y'all notice before service starts, we play that pre-roll. It's that video that kind of just highlights what's going on um, in the life of our church and kind of who we are. It's a, it's, it is meant to set a celebratory atmosphere because one of the things that we do when we gather on the weekend is we celebrate the goodness of God. How many of y'all God has done anything good in your life ever, all right? We, so we celebrate the goodness of God. So uh, I've been working with our team. We're gonna start to do something just a little different to help you know. Uh, when, that, when that video starts to play, we're gonna bring the volume up out in the lobby just loud enough that like you're kind of like, it's uncomfortable for me to continue this conversation. Um, and, and what I want to do is just kind of use that as your cue to, to try to remember like, hey, it's time to go celebrate the goodness of God. Like we're, we're going to go celebrate the goodness of God and, and, and worship. And I, I want you to try to get in here from the downbeat of the first song. Help us set the environment of praise and worship and, and participate in all of it. Don't, so don't wait till the second song or the third song because we're intentional in how we design the service. We start with celebration and then we move into engaging with the presence of God and reflecting on his goodness toward us. And so I want to invite you, I want to ask you to help us. Let's create the best environment possible so that when somebody comes to church who's maybe having a really bad week or a bad day or they don't know who Jesus is, Let's let them see from the very beginning a group of people who are passionate and excited about who Jesus is. Come on, are you with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? Some of y'all are like, I ain't doing it. I'm like, well, I'm going to keep turning it louder and louder until you come on in here. All right, so um, just help us create that environment for people. So when you hear that video just in your conversation, hey, let's go. It's time to go party. It's time to go celebrate. Time to go celebrate the goodness of God. Get on your feet, start clapping, sing loud for that first song. And let's, because let's remember the most valuable gift we can give anyone on the weekend is an encounter with Jesus. Amen? Come on, I said the most valuable gift we can give anyone on the weekend is an encounter with Jesus. Amen? All right, so if you're a guest, you're off the hook. You hang out there and drink coffee as long as you want. But the rest of y'all get your tails in here when we start church. All right? We're going because we're going to go after Jesus. Come on. Say amen if you're with me this morning. All right. So we're going to talk about family values. I love the timing of this. We're coming right off the heels of our Thrive Marriage Conference and our 10th anniversary weekend. I, I just can't say enough about our team and everything that they pulled off last weekend and Thrive. How many of y'all had a chance to participate in Thrive Married Couples? Was it good? Did they do it? Didn't our team just... I really didn't have much to do with it. Amanda and I were having to travel because of some family things, and, and we just showed up, and we were so blown away by the level of excellence. And um, So I just want to say thank you one more. Would you all help me just say thank you to our staff and Dream Team for a fantastic weekend? And, and then our 10-year anniversary, y'all, we're 10. We're 10-year-old. Like, we can talk back now. We, we're allowed to have, like, we got a little bit of attitude. We got a little sass. We're a 10-year-old church. Guys, hey, bring me a handheld because I think my, my microphone has is, is got issues. Um, we're a 10-year-old church, and uh, I, I'm just so thrilled and honored to uh, have the role that I have. I know Amanda feels the same way. We, we, we keep reflecting on last weekend, and both of us kept saying, like, this, this is the, was the most fulfilling weekend of ministry that we can remember. Thank you, Josh. Y'all show Josh some love. He's the man. Most fulfilling weekend of ministry that Amanda and I can remember ever being a part of, and we've been doing this for a while. Uh, all 21 years that we've been married, we've been involved in ministry in some way, shape, or form, and so God's been good, hasn't he? He's been faithful and good, and uh, so excited to dive into this series called Family 
values, family values, and um, almost called it family matters. We're going to talk about how your family matters this morning, but some of you would be old enough to remember the TV show, and I didn't want to have to hear a bunch of people going, did I do that? Well, I was preaching. All right, so, so family values, family values. So let's, uh, we're going to talk about family a little bit, but I want to just kind of preface this by saying um, everything you're going to hear over the next five weeks, we're going to spend five weeks together on this series. Everything you're going to hear will be applicable to you no matter what season of life you're in. So if you're single, there's good stuff for you here. In fact, this is the right time to be leaning into what the Bible has to say about family and relationships and dating. I was this weird kid because I, I grew up in a home where um, uh, things just marriage just didn't work. I love my parents. I'm thankful for them, but, but marriage just, just didn't work. And, and so I knew if I wanted to have a healthy family, I was going to have to find that somewhere. And so I was this weird like 17, 18-year-old kid who'd be walking into Family Christian Store. Y'all remember Family Christian Store when those were around? I'd be walking into Family Christian Store, hanging out in the marriage book section, reading marriage books before I'm ever married because I, I I knew there had to be a better way, and I wanted to know how to do it. And so I just think if you're single and you think family life might be in your future, you should really be leaning into moments like this because you want to start building the foundation now. You don't want to wait till there's a problem. Come on, somebody. You don't want to wait till something's broken. You, you want to lean into it now. So there'll be stuff for you if you're single. Maybe you find yourself single and you didn't expect to be. Maybe the marriage didn't work. And you're hurting and you're in pain. And I want you to know uh, you're, this is not a series where that's going to get thrown back in your face. That's not what this is. But same thing for you. Now you're in a season where I, I, I just want you to know God can redeem and restore and bring healing to your pain. And, uh, and help you build a new foundation for what comes next. Say amen if you're with me this morning. All right. Um, or maybe you're married and things are going well and you just, you know, you need some stuff to help you keep it going well. Maybe you're married and it's not going well. And um, maybe there's blood on the inside of your car from the drive here this morning. All right. So, um, so we're going to work on all of that. Pastor Jimmy Evans says there are two kinds of family. The first kind is what I would call your blood or your your blended family. This is the people who you're going to go home to today. You, you live in the same house. You don't really get to choose these. Uh, I mean, I guess you get to choose your spouse, but after that, you're not supposed to keep choosing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're supposed to stick with, you know. Um, if you keep choosing, that's not going to work. So this is the people you go home to, the people you live with. It's your blood family, people you grew up with, your blood family. And then you also have spiritual family. If you're a follower of Jesus today, then we're family. We are all united by the blood of Jesus that he shed for us on the cross. You have a spiritual family. How many thankful for spiritual family? Uh, Amanda and I are so thankful for spiritual family. My family, my blood family, lives a thousand miles to the west, and hers lives a thousand miles to the south. Some of them are probably watching church this morning, so hi, family. Love y'all. And, um, and so we have, we have been extremely thankful to, to live here and to have all it, because you have become family for us in the moments where we've needed family and uh, because people are, are so far away. Jim, Pastor Jimmy says the best families happen, and I'm, I'm referencing him because he's probably one of the most influential leaders in the world on marriage and family. And um, he, he says the best families are where you get the two things working together, your blood family, your blended family, and spirit family, the, the presence of God, and, and you're connected and united under the banner of Jesus. Amen? Those are the best families. And um, I, I just want to start this morning, and if you were at Thrive, some of what I say during the first few minutes of the message here is going to sound repetitive, but a lot of you weren't at Thrive, and especially if you're single, uh, you, you weren't at Thrive. So I want to I try to make the case for, for a few minutes on how important this topic is, and and I think we've kind of failed you by not talking more about family and relationships in church. And so I'm just going to try to make the case this morning for how important this topic is and why we must talk about it. And we kind of feel like as a leadership team, one of the anointings that's on this house, one of the things God has asked us to do at True Life is serve and equip and prepare people who are in family life or who are headed into family life. Now, we're going to love and serve everybody, but we think there's a unique calling on our church specifically for those people. Y'all with me this morning? 
Um, and so I, I, I want to talk about this this morning. And um, there's a passage in Matthew chapter 19 where Jesus, he's, he's performing some miracles, he's healing people, and then these religious leaders who don't like Jesus show up, and they want to try to trap him. They want to try to trick him into a question. And, and they're, they're basically trying to undermine him. They're trying to undermine his ministry and his authority. And so they, they think, well, what's a really controversial topic we could ask him about? And guess what? Just like it is today, it was really controversial back then. So they decide to ask him about marriage and specifically about divorce. And so they come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, is it all right for a, a, a guy to divorce his wife for, for any reason that he wants? And Jesus' response, I, this is hilarious to me because these are spiritual leaders. These are supposed to be the pastors that they come and ask them the question. And so Jesus is like, well, y'all are spiritual leaders. Haven't you read the scriptures? I just love, Jesus is sarcastic. I don't know if y'all realize that, but Jesus is sarcastic. I love that he's like, ain't you read it? What are you asking me for? He, he knows, he knows what they're up to. And Jesus replied, the scriptures record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they're no longer two but one, let everybody say the next two words, no one, which literally means human, person, people. I, I was fascinated when I saw that because Jesus could have said anything. He could have said, since they're no longer two but one, don't let the devil separate them. Don't let demons separate them. Don't let spiritual attack separate them. No, he says, let no people, which means the only person with authority to decide what happens next in your marriage is you. Not the devil. You. I get, to, we, I, have, I get to decide. He says, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So God wants the he, families matter to him. Marriages matter to him. And they push back. They say, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your what? Come on, say it. To your hard hearts. Yeah, your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. And um, I, I use this Bible software. It's called Logos. Um, if any of you all want to go get it, you can. A lot of pastors use it because it makes us look smarter than we really are. And what I can do when I use this software is I can go to any text in the Bible, and I'm a Windows guy, um, so I don't know how this works on a Mac, but on a Windows, you right-click. Come on, where are my right-clickers at? You can you, you do a right-click. I know on a Mac you hold something and click something. I don't, I don't know. If it takes two hands, is it really simpler? I don't, I'm just saying. Um, so on a Windows, you, you right-click, and then I can, on any text in the Scripture, I can right-click it and do a Bible word study. It'll bring up the original Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic text that the scripture was written in. That's important because your, your Bible that you read in the English translation, English translators have done the best job they possibly can, but oftentimes the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and the Greek are actually more descriptive than the words that we have in the English language. So I right-clicked here originally intended. I was, I was kind of blown away by what I saw. It actually says that what Jesus was saying is, hey, this was a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not God's original order or first order. Or one possible translation is the first rules. In other words, there is an order. There's some guidelines to the marriage relationship, to the family relationship, that God has had from the very beginning. He's always wanted it to work a certain way. Single people, you need to know this. Because if you can roll into a marriage one day already knowing God's order, you're going to be in better shape. Amen? And so, well, what is that? Is it like a list of rules that you follow? Some of y'all are even like right now, you're ready to quote Paul. You'd be like, some of the guys are like, I know the order. I know the order. Wife, submit to husband. Me man, you woman. You make food, me eat. That's kind of how some of us think this is supposed to roll, right? Mm-mm. Problem with that whole deal is, if you look at the whole picture of what the Apostle Paul says about marriage, is really what he's saying is, hey, you want to know what the real order of marriage is? Is two people who just keep putting each other first. 
He, sa- he starts by saying, submit one to another. So re- really, the best marriage relationships, you want to know what they're, they're almost, they're almost sickening when you really think about it, because really is, what it is is two people who go, you first, no, you first. No, you, no, you. What do you want? I don't, what do you want? Well, what do you want? Well, what do you want? It's just, just two people who just constantly put each other first. And guys, the, 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 the thing you really got to be careful with, when you start quoting Paul and his whole, like, like wives, submit to your husband thing, which is it's absolutely there, but he also asks you, men, to give yourselves up for your wife the way Christ gave himself up for the church. Now, let me just ask you a real deep question. How did Jesus give himself up for the church? What did he do? He died. He died. He literally went to the cross. And, and that's why some of, me, some of you are like, why won't you submit? Submit to me, woman. And she's like, I'll, su- I'll submit. You just go on and die first. Just go and hop up on a cross there. I'll, I'll submit to you. So that's, you want, you want the relationship to work. It's two people who have given themselves to each other fully as a gift. Say amen if you're tracking with me so far this morning. And the order of, that God had for marriage, what he really wanted you to experience and what has been the order of marriage for decades and decades and decades, going all the way back to the early New Testament church. By the way, what we define as traditional marriage today, at the dawn of the New Testament church would not have been traditional at all especially not in Roman culture. This idea of of two people staying married to each other under covenant before God and being faithful to each other till death do us part, totally abnormal in Roman culture. So we've grown up in a society that has largely been shaped by Judeo-Christian values until recently. And so we say traditional. In the early church, it wouldn't have been traditional at all. It would have been weird. But it was so beautiful and so healthy that the Gentiles, lost people, started coming to Christians going, seems like your way is working. Can we try it? And they would say, yeah, come on in. Give your heart to Jesus. We'll teach you all about it. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Doesn't that sound awesome? And that's why Paul says, hey, the the marriage and the family is actually supposed to be a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. So there's some things that that originally, ever since the New Testament church was birthed, there's some things that until recently in the Christian faith were really reserved for the, the, the marriage relationships. And, the, and they are sexual fulfillment, relational intimacy, partnership, and raising the raising of children. And I've been reading a book called Endgame. A fr- friend of mine told me about it recently. He's like, hey, if you're going to talk about marriage, you should probably read this. It's written by a psychologist and a sociologist who say, hey, we, we have enough data now to look back at Western civilization. We can go all the way back to the early 1900s, and we can, we can see the decoupling of these four things from the marriage, even within the world of Christianity. And we can see that as you decouple these things from marriage, and that's happening now, right? Like, even, even a lot of us, we were experiencing this before we got married and we've pursued this other places and no shame, no guilt. Been there too. But I think part of the enemy's plan has been to get us to decouple these things from the marriage relationship. And the end result now is a pretty rapid decline in marriages and families. And simultaneously, rates of childhood anxiety and depression are skyrocketing. Y'all, y'all tracking with me. Um, Nancy Houston, when she was here, she's so brilliant. She said, more 19-year-olds will die at their own hands this year than from any disease, anything else going on in the world. That was really heartbreaking. Really heartbreaking. And so as we have decoupled these things from the marriage... And, and the family has become more and more unstable, the world we live in is becoming more and more unstable. And the marriage is meant to be a reflection of Christ 
and his church. So let me ask you a question. If marriages and families disappear, where does the world go to find the model of what the relationship with Jesus was supposed to look like? Do you see? Do you see how important this is? Say amen if you're with me so far. It's just incredibly important. Not only is this what we find in a marriage relationship, is also what we find in a relationship with Jesus. Watch. You come in a relationship with Jesus, you find fulfillment, spiritual intimacy, a partnership. He invites us into the mission and the raising of disciples. And I, I want to just talk about this one right here because this is, this is where all the hard work is. This is where, like, Western church, I think we're kind of, like, in trouble if we don't figure this out. We, we like all the fun, and we like numbers, and we like big crowds, and, but then we're not teaching our spiritual children how to go live, how to build families, how to serve Jesus. And in our marriages now, for the first time in American history, the pregnancy rate is behind what it needs to be, like significantly behind in America right now. The rate of people who are having babies, starting families, is severely behind where the replace, what they say the replacement rate needs to be for society to maintain itself. So we're literally at the tipping point as a society. So I have a plan. My plan is to teach people what the Bible says about marriage and family, get people excited about it again, because it's awesome whenever it's done right and when it's healthy. Come on, y'all with me? It's fun. Even parenting is fun. A lot of people are backing away from parenting. They're like, I don't want to do that. That's, 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 and, what, and I would just encourage you, if you, that's where you find yourself today, you're like, I don't think I want kids. I just want to encourage you to go take that in before the Holy Spirit and make sure that that's a part of his plan for your life and not just your own selfishness talking. Oh, can I step on your toes this morning? Can I get in your business? Is that all right? Because the Bible says that children are a gift. They're a gift from God. Which is a problem because our society right now says, if you want to have a baby, it's a right, and anybody should be able to. Regardless of the family situation. Well, here's the thing. It can't be a right and a gift. It's either one or the other. Y'all with me this morning? Y'all just need to know your pastor is less interested about being on the right side of history and more interested in being on the right side of eternity. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go there. Is that all right? Can we go there? I feel like you're not with me. I'm going there. So I want to I try to prove this, this point to you this morning that how important families are. I want you to just real quick, just look around the room. Just take inventory of the room. Just real quick, just look around the room. Just identify some faces. Go ahead, stretch your neck out. Just, just look around the room. Okay, all right, now look back at me. Uh, here's what the statistics say. That as you just looked around the room, 75% of the people that you just looked at, 75% of you in this room today who are engaged in church, following Jesus, grew up in a home where both parents were married. 75%. In fact, across the last four generations, the percentage of young people who stay engaged in their faith and their local church does not change if mom and dad are married. Isn't that fascinating? So the rise of people who are disengaged from their faith and disengaged from the church is really about the family. That's why we said during Thrive, we pour tons of resources into youth ministry, which I'm happy to do. We do it as a church as well. But what we've got to be careful of is we've been fighting smoke, not the fire. The fire is the family. Come on, say amen, somebody. The fire is the family. And so um, we're going to talk about it. We're going we're gonna to pursue it. All, all of this today, to, to, just to try to convince you that your family is important, that it matters. Look at this graph. This is a children in unmarried homes is the black line. The gray group is what they call the religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not the Catholic ladies, but people who say, I don't believe in anything. 1960, children in unmarried homes, religious nuns. Look what happens as you go to 2013. As more and more people choose, and by the way, divorce is not the thing I'm talking about. We literally live in a society where in increasing numbers, people are saying, not interested in the family. Not interested in being married. I'll just do my thing. Multiple partners, I'll get fulfillment other ways. 
and no judgment, no shame on you if you're here today. It's not, I'm, but I'm just saying that decision in our society is unraveling our society. And it's unraveling young people who should be serving Jesus with their whole heart, but they've had no model for the relationship between Christ and his church. Y'all are not amening as good as I'm talking right now. So here's the point I'm trying to make. Your family matters to God. It does. If you're sitting with your family right now, just look at each other and just say, just say, just say hey, we matter to God. Like, you need to say it out loud. We matter to God. Our, this family matters to God. It's important to him. And it is. It's important to him. I don't care if you're a blended family. I don't care if you're a single parent today. Your family matters to God. And I'm really not interested in what happened before today because no matter what it was, God redeems it and he gives us a new life from this day forward. Come on, y'all with me this morning. You also need to know that your family matters to your community. That's us, your spiritual family. I need you to know if you call True Life home, your family is deeply important to me. Very important to my wife. We've, we've poured a lot of resources into trying to create family ministry that is good and healthy for your kids. why I need more of you to go to Life Track and find your way onto the Kids Life team so you can help us continue to invest in families. When we built that kids wing and that playground out there, you know, what, you know what was in our hearts? You want to know why we did the whole storefront look and the giant sign out there? It's because we wanted every child who walked into True Life Church to walk to that area, look through that glass, and go, holy cow, this place was made for me. I belong here. And every time I see a kid crying because their parents are trying to get them to go home, my heart swells ten times bigger. I just, I love it. I lo- I'm sorry that we've created a little bit of stress for you. But of all the places your kids could be begging you to stay, I think this is a good option. Come on. It's a good option. And I, I'm so thankful for the leaders. I'm thankful for our Next Gen's leadership, Whitney and her team, our student ministry who meets on Sunday nights. I've got a 14-year-old daughter. She's sitting down here on the, on the front row. She gets, she gets angry at us when we miss church. Angry, like legit teenager angry. Fire-breathing dragon angry because we missed church. It's like, babe, we do church all the time. Our life is church. Got to take a vacation. She's like, no. It's motion night. Got to be there. It's motion night tonight, by the way. You got to get your students to motion night. Come on, y'all. Get your students here. Your family matters to your spiritual family and your community, and your family matters to society. It matters to society. People who love and serve and follow Jesus are the most likely now to enter into marriage relationships and start families. So, y'all, we can, we can turn this thing around. We can start revival just by getting married and making babies. Come on, let's go. So how do we build strong families? For the next four weeks, we're going to talk about those four things that... God has designed for us to have an experience in a relationship. Sexual fulfillment, relational intimacy, partnership, and the raising of children. So next week, I just need you to know, won't be like Thrive. If you were at Thrive, come on, we went there. Thrive Thrive a little R-rated, all right? You know, a little TV mature, all right? So not going there. Next Sunday will be PG, but we are going to use the S word. So I just need you to know, all right, if you got kids... Next week's a great week to take advantage of our fantastic Kids Life ministry on the other side of the bed. Unless you want to get in the car and have your kids be like, what is that? Because we're going we're gonna to go there. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how, to, how to approach that topic when you're single and, and God's designed for it, all, all of that. Uh, the next week, we will talk about relational intimacy, how to connect with each other on a heart level. We're going to talk about how, how we partner in the family. And then we'll talk about parenting a little bit to wrap up the series. But today I want to end our time together by just giving you a foundation to work off of. How do we build strong families? How do we do that? I love this passage. Pastor Dino and Delin, I think, used it Friday night at Thrive. It says, Jesus says, anyone who, everybody say that word. Anyone who listens to my teaching and 
follow. So I'm a pretty good listener sometimes. I'm less good at following. Anybody else? Like, I like a good message. Preach, preach to me. Get me all fired up. Don't ask me to do it. It's a little harder to do it. But Jesus says you've got to listen and what? Follow. If you do that, you're wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. That's what we want. We want our families built on a solid foundation. Though the rain comes in, and the, the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is what? Foolish. You don't want to be that person. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And so what I want to do, just for a few minutes as we wrap up, I want to help you avoid the crash. Because here's something I can promise you. There's storms coming. Some of you know because you're in one right now. Some of y'all newlyweds, you're like, you're still in the honeymoon phase. You're making the rest of us sick to our stomachs. I'm just telling you, storm's coming. Storm's coming. Everybody falls in love at the same speed. Everybody falls out of love at a different speed. So you get married, and you're all like, oh, they're so, they're so sweet. They smell so nice. They look so good. You're all excited. And then one day, you wake up. You roll over, and that morning breath hits you in the face. And you're going to have a moment where you think, what do I do? What have I done? It's going to happen. You're going to have storms in your marriage. You're going to have storms in your relationships. You're going to have storms in your family. Anybody who's been through some storms, say amen. Like they're going to ha- it's going to happen. So how do we build a firm foundation? Just four things real quick. If you want to write them down, we're just going to lay the foundation this week, and then we'll dive into those four topics over the next four weeks. Here's the first one. Surrender your life completely. Surrender your life and family completely to God. Surrender your life and family completely to God. Some of y'all have kids that have wandered away from the faith and they're not excited about Jesus, they're not excited about church, and you're beating yourself up, you're kicking yourself, you're trying to figure out what did I do, where did I go wrong. Look at me right now, give me your eyeballs. Stop it. Stop it. Your kids get to make their own choices. You pray for them. You lift them up to Jesus every single day, but you stop beating yourself up. And you start saying this instead. They're not mine. They're his. They don't belong to me. They belong to Jesus. Come on, you with me this morning. I made the decision when our kids were born That, yeah, they're my kids, I'm responsible for them, but they're really not mine. They're God's. That's why we do baby dedications here at True Life. Y'all know it's really not about the baby. It's about the parents. The the whole reason we do it is is to give parents a a chance to stand in front of their spiritual family and say, I'm going to do everything I can to raise this child in a Christ-centered home and to put God first. It's really about the parents. It's just, that's not cute, and nobody would sign up if we called it parent dedication. So we call it baby dedication because then everybody's like, ooh, and they take pictures and they bring the family. But it's really about the parents saying, we're going to stay surrendered to God. None of it is mine. It's all his. You know what's great about this? If it's all his, then when there's a problem, it's his problem. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've found that God is a better problem solver than I am. He's a better problem solver than I am. I try, but he's way better at it than I am. The Apostle Paul got this, Galatians 2.20, he says, my old self. Do you all know there's an old you? There's a you before Jesus, and there's a you after Jesus. Paul says, my old, the pre-Jesus me has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He's saying, I'm surrendered. I've given it all to Jesus. It's all his. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And build, build a firm foundation for your family. Be surrendered. Single people, go ahead and surrender your future family to God right now. 
God, if I, if I should ever be so blessed as to find a, a spouse, a person to spend my wife, life with, if that's what you want for me, and if I should ever be so blessed as to have children and, and, and to start a family, God, I just, right now, I, I surrender it all to you. It's yours, it's not mine. You just go ahead and get yourself there. Right now, whatever season of life you're in, surrender it to God. Number two, learn to trust God with everything. Y'all know what I mean by everything? I mean everything. Trust God with everything. That's hard, isn't it? Because I, I, I tend to like want to pick stuff back up, and I want to try to fix it myself, and I want to I figure it out myself. But trust God with everything. Go get into, get into the Word. Get into a small group. Get into the Bible. Get into your prayer time. Figure out what God's plan is. And then trust Him. Trust Him with it. I remember early on in our marriage, we were, we were working in a church. We were youth pastors. And we just, we just didn't have enough money. Like just, it just wasn't enough. No matter what we did, it was never enough. This is pretty early in our marriage, real early in our marriage. And then I remember us having this, we haven't been tithing. We haven't been, we haven't been putting God first in our, our finances. We have not been trusting Him and trusting His plan and His process. And can I tell you, just that one small tweak, I've, I've learned now, 21 years of marriage, and I've learned God does more with 90 than I could ever do with 100. Come on, where are my tithers at? God does more with 90 than I could ever do with 100. Can I hear an amen? He just does. And so it's not... It's not that God gets angry at you. It's not a condition of salvation. It's simply this. Do I want the stuff in my life to have his blessing and his favor on it? It's a decision you have to make. I've learned the same thing with my time. There's a biblical principle of rest, the Sabbath. So I take a Sabbath day every week. I take one out of every seven, and I prioritize rest. Doesn't mean I don't deal with emergencies or things like that. But, but I've learned God accomplishes more with six then I can accomplish with seven. Oh, I'm talking to somebody today. Some of y'all are gonna go home and be like, I need a day off. Yes, you do. You just go home. You, you call your boss, say, hey, my pastor says I need a day off. I'm sleeping in tomorrow. Y'all don't think that's gonna work out? Try it. But you, need, you need to figure out where, where am I gonna put rest? Tr learn to trust God, learn to trust His ways. You can't be in control of everything and have God in control of everything. It's going to be one or the other. And that's why Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money and to stuff. That's why I tell you not to, everybody say it, yeah, about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds, he says. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are, and you are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It's a rhetorical question. No, they can't. In fact, now we know stress is shortening your life. You want to know one of the best stress relievers there is? Trust God. Let him have it. Let him have control. It doesn't mean you're carefree or careless. It just means you trust him, that he's got it, that he's looking out for me. Say amen if God's ever come through for you. Here's the third one. We're almost done. I've learned if I want to live my life on a firm foundation, I want to build my family on a firm foundation, one of the things I need to do is borrow some pain from the future. Here's what I mean by that. I have to think about the generational effects my choices can have. When I'm tempted to do something I should not do, I think what it would be like to stand on this platform, maybe with my overseers here, announcing that I've made a terrible choice and 
that they're forcing me to take some time away. I think of the pain and the embarrassment that that, and the hurt that that would cause all of you. I think of sitting with my kids and explaining how I've made a decision that has destroyed our family. I just, I borrow a little bit of pain. I think about the generational effects of my choices and it helps me make better choices. Now, it doesn't, it's not foolproof. This is one of the reasons I know, I'm, like I know I've got to do a better job with physical health because I want to be there for future generations. Like I want to see my grandkids. Y'all track, y'all track them with me this morning. I want to meet them. I want to know them. Let's borrow some pain. Proverbs says, if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. One, one of the highlights of last weekend for Amanda and I were the people who were here. And what you should know about the people who stood on this platform at Thrive and Pastor Dino on our anniversary weekend is they're the real deal. Like everything you saw up here, it was the same riding in the car. It was the same backstage. Pastor Dino just coached me up one side and down the other the entire time we were together. And I was like, bring it on, baby. Let's go. Because I want to I want to walk with the wise. Y'all tracking? You did that this morning. You came to church. I'm pretty sure somebody in here is wise. I don't know who. I'm pretty sure there's some wisdom in the house. But we associate with fools, we get into trouble. Trouble chases sinners well. Blessings reward the righteous. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. Generational. Think generational. But the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. And by the way, this is not just a financial inheritance that we want to leave. True life, I want you to be people who leave an inheritance of healthy homes, healthy marriages, grace, mercy, God's presence, purity, passion for what is right. Come on, can I hear an amen this morning? Let's leave an inheritance to future generations. Here's the last one. You want to build a firm foundation, then you're going to have to prioritize spiritual development. Prioritize spiritual development. We make a big deal out of development in Western society, don't we? Education, academics. I think one of the things we need to be careful of as followers of Jesus is we kind of get caught up in all these other forms of development and unintentionally we put our spiritual development at the bottom of the priority list. And I'm just encouraging you today to evaluate that. Maybe bring spiritual development up. If you're a parent, get, get spiritual development up there with academics. Get spiritual development up there with athletic development. Let's, let's make it a priority. Let's keep our families engaged in healthy relationships. Let's, let's get in small groups. Let's, let's get to church. You know, about 50 years ago, someone would, if somebody would say, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I go to church, what that meant was they would go about every week, about once every seven days. Today, that's not the case. I'm not mad about it. I'm not scolding you. It's just, it's just not the case. Today, if somebody says, I'm a Christian and I go to church, what that really means is once, about once every six weeks. So we've gone from once every seven days to once every six weeks. Again, I'm not mad about it. I'm, I'm just saying, hey, take some time. Think about this. Pray about this. Ask, let the Holy Spirit help you examine the patterns and the priorities of your life and be honest with, like, hey, is our spiritual development a priority? Is it a priority? Put your family's spiritual development on the same level as those other areas of development. That's why Hebrews says, let us hold what? Tightly, without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. That's what I'm trying to do this morning, to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting where? 
together, which you did this morning. Give yourselves a hand. You didn't neglect it. Come on. You met together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I think Jeannie Mayo was the first person I heard say it. I don't know if she coined the term or not, but it stuck with me. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Your friends are your future. Your friends are your future. So get around the people who will help you build a firm foundation on Jesus. Surrender it all to him. Trust him with everything. Think generationally about the choices you're making. prioritize your spiritual development, your walk with Jesus. It's a big deal. Would you stand to your feet all across the room as we close? I'm excited about the next four weeks. We're going to talk about stuff that we don't always talk about in church. And we should have been talking about it all along. But I promise you it's going to be tasteful and healthy and life-giving. I'm not going to try to alienate anyone or shame anyone going to go into the word and see what God has for us in this area of relationships. Would you close your eyes all across the room? Just no looking around right now. If you're watching online, this is for you as well. I just want to ask if there's anybody listening today or in the room here today who has not yet surrendered your life to Jesus. He's not Lord of your life. That's where all of this starts. You'd say, I'm, I'm not in relationship with him, but I know I need to be. Today's the day I'm, I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, why don't you just why don't you just tell him that right where you're at? Just say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. You are Lord. And you can have all of it. None of it is mine anymore. All yours, my plans, my hopes, my dreams, my family, my future, my talents, my time, and my treasure. God, today I surrender it all to you. And Jesus, I want to begin a relationship with you. Please forgive me all the time I've spent living life my own way. I believe you died on the cross, you paid the price for my sin and my mistakes. And I believe three days later, you rose from the dead. And today, you're seated in heaven, advocating on my behalf. Thank you for that. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer with me just now, in a second, Caitlin will be out here. She'll have some instruction for you. I just want to have a moment here with everybody else. Please don't look around right now. I don't want you to hear me say something. One of the things that gave me hope about being a husband and a father, having a family, way back when I was single, is I heard somebody say this, and and I think it was a God-ordained moment when I heard it. I know some of you are carrying a lot of patterns, a lot of negativity, a lot of scars, a lot of wounds from your past. Maybe the idea of family scares you because you don't want it to be what yours was. But listen to me. Because of the cross of Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus, today you can say a new family tree starts with me. You are not a slave to the narrative of your past. You are not destined or doomed to repeat mistakes that your family made or failures that played out in front of you. A new tree can start with you today. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. So I just want to ask, heads bowed, eyes closed, if you would say, hey, Michael, my family tree's got some, some branches that use a little pruning. There, there's, some, there's some hurt there. There's some bad habits there. There's some anger. There's some addiction. There's, 
some unfaithfulness. There, there, there's some things in my tree that if, that if I could start new, I, I'd like to grow a tree without those things in it. It's not that you disown or dislove your family. It's just new patterns, new habits, new choices. And you'd say, hey, Pastor Michael, I, I, I need that, and, and, I, and I, need, I need to get some stuff worked out. I, I maybe haven't been building on a firm foundation, and so I need to surrender and trust and think generationally and prioritize my spiritual development. If, if that's you today, you say, hey, I, I just need some fresh start on this whole family idea. Would you just, just wave your hand at me and just say, hey, there's some stuff in my family tree I'd like to start over. Just wave your hand at me real quick. Yep, 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 yep. A bunch of us. So Heavenly Father, I pray for those who just lifted their hands. I pray for those even who didn't. But you're dealing with hearts right now. God, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you that your grace is sufficient. I pray for those who are carrying around wounds from family life. Issues from the past. Some are are trapped in unforgiveness. Victims of abuse. Some who feel like they'll never be able to stop being angry. We just rebuke all of that in the name of Jesus today. We say a new family tree starts right now. God, I, I pray that you would help us to embrace the idea today that our lives and our families matter to you. They matter to our community. They matter in our society. Lord, I pray each and every person listening today would take some steps toward building a solid foundation, that our lives would be completely surrendered to you, our families, God, our marriages, our future marriages, our dating relationships, all of it, God, we surrender it to you. And we trust you. We believe that you are good and perfect, Heavenly Father, that you want good things for us. God, we choose today, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to help us think about our choices, to think about future generations and how our choices might impact them. And Lord, I pray that every person listening to this message today would make a decision to prioritize spiritual development, that we would walk nearer to you, closer to you, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name receive it. Would you say amen this morning? Amen. God bless you guys.